welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. Great acting comes from crazy living. Point being, live experience, be aware and use it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. Uh, That is our current title, but once upon a time, we were the Awards Podcast, and we are going back to our roots today. We are celebrating another year of film. We are celebrating the end of award season. We are celebrating the 94th Academy Awards. Uh, We couldn't decide who to have as a guest today, so we decided to have everyone as a guest today. We are looking back at 200 episodes of In the Envelope. We have talked to a lot of people who are Oscar nominated this year. We have talked to at least 10 nominees. We have talked to people who had some of the best performances of 2021. We have talked to some of the people who are in the best pictures of 2021. We are going to hear some of our favorite anecdotes, some of our best advice from Oscar nominated actors. You're going to hear some of our picks, some of our hopes, some of our dreams, some of the things we want to see on Oscar night, some of the things we hope to not see on Oscar night. And to help me with that, we have the wonderful managing editor of Backstage, Ben Lindsay. Is that how you say your name? I'm sorry. <laughs> ben Lindsay. Ben Lindsay. Yeah, just the women's name, Lindsay. Yeah, okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll, we'll fix that in post. Yeah. The wonderful managing editor of Backstage, Ben Lindsay. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing great. How are you doing? Good. Good. Yeah. I uh, I think it's pretty wild that we are at another end of the award season. Uh, it feels it's one of those things that always feels like it has lasted 25 years, uh, but also has gone super fast. I think this year was, you know, we also were dealing with going back to theaters and actual movies coming out and the, well, all, yeah. the, all the delays now actually hitting theaters. It, it's, it, it, there's been a lot of factors that have made this award season feel like the first award season in a decade. No, absolutely. And, and the, the way that you kind of introed this episode, we have spoken to so much great talent over the last year, and it's because it's been such a great year in film. And as you say, I feel like that's in part because of some of the delays that were happening due to the pandemic. We are just inundated with like so many awesome viewing options so it's a really exciting race and um yeah we're, we're looking down the tail end of it here absolutely and i feel like this is a good year i i i feel like with the you know with every award season there are ebbs and flows but i feel like this is a year where i don't have a ton of blind spots i don't have a ton of movies where i'd be a little bummed if they won this this is one of this is a year where i'm I don't have a huge horse in the race because they're all they're all good horses. You know, <laughs> you're just watching a really, really good race. And I'm wondering if there's any 
any movies for you that 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 stand out that are your favorites that are the ones that you have a, a personal stake in yeah well let, let me think about my favorite because we're as we're rounding this last corner i feel like there is no complete lock which also makes it super exciting yeah um all the horses are great <laughs> we're gonna see <laughs> what ends up on top um Looking through some of the nominees, I was really, really fond of The Lost Daughter on mm-hmm. Netflix. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal just had such an incredible debut with that one as the director and writer. Um, I wrote Jesse Buckley's cover story yeah. a couple months back, and she was kind of a surprise um, Oscar nominee Oscar nominee for Best Supporting Actress. Obviously, Olivia Coleman, Dakota Johnson is doing some of the best work that mm-hmm. we've seen from her. Um, just it, that's my kind of movie. Just super kind of small scale, character driven, um, typically centered on women. Um, that That's just the kind of thing that I'm drawn to. And I think that all three or all four rather of the, the women kind of leading this project just blew me away. So um, yeah, put on the spot. I would say that's definitely one of my favorites this year. What about you? Absolutely. With that one, I, it, well, I loved the lost daughter and that's one of those movies. And this is that this weird situation where I, where I, I wonder if I would have caught it, if it wasn't on Netflix, it's mm-hmm. one of those ones where I, I would, I don't know if I would have prioritized seeing in theaters, but, you know, random weeknight, I wanted to see all the Oscar nominees. So I threw on The Lost Daughter and ended up just being like moved to te- like just being like that was that was gorgeous. That's it's 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 one of those movies that you don't really know what to expect from unless you're familiar with the source material. Mm-hmm. And and then it just kind of wallops you with like a wall of performance and a wall of just sort of it, it's so enigmatic. It's such a strong, self-assured directorial debut. And it's also yeah. such a strong Oscar nominated screenplay. So I think that that's, it's one of those things. And it's, it's crazy. Cause we talked to her back in 2018 uh, on, in, in the envelope. And she was kind of like, yeah, I just wrote a letter to uh, Elena, Elena Fronte. Uh, I hope I get the rights. You know, I hope I can, mm-hmm. she's like, I've, I've definitely started writing the screenplay, but I haven't showed it to anybody. And it just kind of shows you how the, the wild things that can happen in, in, in three years. She's right, now, right. she's now Oscar nominated for that screenplay in the plane rides and in the taxi rides from hotel to hotel, um, in the shower, you know, after I drop my kids off at school, I'm, I'm writing or I'm writing in my head. Yeah. And it's, um, it's been so grounding Mm. to just have like a little space that's mine. Also like be in this pretend conversation with Elena Ferrante, Uh, you know, because this ghostly figure, because it's her book. Yeah. And, and, and I trust her book. Mm. I'm bouncing all my ideas off the book. And cool. they keep coming back with more and more. That book itself is so interior to the central character. But the way that she was able to translate that on the screen, I feel like you could only do that if you had the, the yeah. actually understanding uh, of yeah. kind of how to do that. Also, as an actress, it's so interesting because Mm. my mom is a screenwriter and Mm -hmm. I haven't shown anybody any of it, but I was talking to her a little bit about it. And my mom was like, well, you might want to have someone read it. And I was like, no, I don't need that. I know I don't need that because I I play through the scenes as everybody. Okay, like I get them down because you're used to doing that because I'm used to doing that. And I I have I have a facility with that. You know, Mm. I'm like, oh, oh, no, we can cut all of that. Nobody needs that. And uh, of course, a good actor can get from here and leap over to here without without these four lines that I stupidly wrote down. (laughs) 
I find with acting too, I find I'm using a really similar muscle. Hmm. I find as I've gotten older, as I've gotten stronger and learned more about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes I just do the basic building block stuff of like, what's the event in the scene? Gotcha. What's the, what are, what are the needs and what are the obstacles? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like actor studio thing that I was taught. Mm-hmm. I do do that. I do find that helpful, especially the event, because the event, the event is the directorial element. The event is, what do I think this scene is about? There mm-hmm. might be these Ooh. lines, but I think... It's an apology. The most interesting work that I do as an actress, like like prep work, yeah, is somehow just like kind of getting my mind in the territory of the piece mm-hmm. and then just opening, and I don't know exactly how to explain how to do this, and I don't know how to do it always, but like opening my mind, maybe my unconscious, to mm. whatever's going to come up. Mm-hmm. And I find usually it's pretty cool. You're like, just letting that all come up. Right. And then usually it organizes itself into a larger meaning. And I find it's the same with writing. Applications are now available for UCLA's professional program in acting for the camera. Gain knowledge from successful industry professionals and receive a world-class acting education in three quarters, consisting of scene study, acting for the camera, and career development workshops. An intimate classroom environment with a maximum of 16 students per workshop and a certificate of completion from the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Students are encouraged to apply early, space is limited, admission is competitive. Just Google UCLA professional programs. You'll find us. I also loved The Worst Person in the World, mm-hmm. um, which was recognized for international film. I, w- was that recognized anywhere else or w- was that just an international film? I don't film? think so. It's not yeah. Best Picture. It's, there's, there's no acting nominees. That's one of those ones yeah. where it, that I feel like that'll have legs. Like people, it, it didn't get the nominees, but people will find that movie and it'll it'll be one of those movies that 10 years from now will be like, why didn't The Worst Person in the World get more nominees? And, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, that's that's kind of how it happens. You know, the Oscars are not the end all be all of how a movie, you know, it's it, they're still available to watch after Sunday. You can still you can still find right. these movies. <laughs> Believe it or Sunday. not. Yeah. Uh, but that movie is gorgeous. I that's one that I, I only recently caught that one. Um, and it's one of those ones where I think it, it would have been near the top 10 if I had seen it when it came out, when I, right. when it, when it hit the festivals. But, yeah, it's it's kind of the wonderful thing about award season is you're like, all right, I'll, I'll catch up on all all the nominees and then you'll yeah. randomly find like your favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. It? Yeah. And I, I know that you've been a big advocate for um, West Side Story and Dune. Yeah. like wh- wh- where, where do your favorites fall this year yeah. in terms of. I mean, what, I, I feel for? like I have the, I have the like deeply controversial opinion that Steven Spielberg is good at making movies. <laughs> um, right. I've never heard that before. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm going to stake my claim here in public and say that he, he, he made a gorgeous film with good shots in it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that movie, I, I, that was another one where, you know, I'm familiar. I've obviously I'm familiar with the original because it's one of the most famous movies of all time. Uh, and, you know, Spielberg's been making not small movies, but low key movies for a while after the post and stuff like that. So I wasn't, you know, it was one of those moments where I kind of forgot who Steven Spielberg was. And he, he like reminded me, he was like, did you forget that I'm Steven Spielberg? Right. <laughs> Cause I walked out of that movie, just like, you know, it had been a while since I had seen something so cinematic. So just, 
just made to be a movie. You know, like yeah, they, yeah. I think we see a lot of movies these days where you know the story drives the plot and or the story drives the film, and it's it's less about it's less about a, a visual experience than it is sort of a, a a vehicle for plot. And I walked out of that movie just like, wow, that that is what that's a capital M movie. <laughs> that is mm-hmm. that is just that is sound and visual and just feeling. And that's how it should be. And I do think that Ariana DeBose, who former cover star of Backstage, uh, she is, I think, my lock for supporting yeah. actress. I, I, I'm, I have to look through the nominees for who else is there. But I think that she, by far, is both the front runner and my my hope, my my pick. I think that I think that she puts in some. And you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to be the second person to take on a role on screen, and the first person is an Oscar winning icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're sharing to... the screen with her. Yeah. No she's less. also like, in the film. Yeah. So yeah, it, there, there, there's, there's very little separation when you're, you're getting constantly reminded of the original performer while you're watching this new performance. And to, so mm-hmm. to, to so separate herself and to so stand out in a film like that, that is just in terms of color and sound is so crowded. And then you have also the ensemble mm-hmm. to be the standout is is incredible so i do think that i that when you when it comes to supporting performances that is that is my my number one of the year yeah yeah and i think that's definitely the the way that anita's drawn right like she she is kind of the the scene stealer supporting role but ariana is also giving just the best performance in the film i mean her dancing is mind-blowing she has such an emotional arc with like some of the more climactic scenes. I'm sure everyone's familiar with the story, but mm-hmm. uh, Anita goes through it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that she really just delivered on all fronts. It was great to see. If we look at the other end of the supporting performances, uh, I do think immediately of Coda, which mm-hmm. is another movie that I caught very late. Um, I, I had known some people who had saw it at Sundance who were really ringing that bell. They were they were like, Coda, Coda is... Because yeah, this was so long ago. I, I remember. I remember first hearing of Coda, and hearing of the the big Sundance sale, the twenty five million Sundance sale, and how it how it was the standout of that year. That feels like it happened in the nineties. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, I mean, and, I I quote unquote attended Sundance, but I got the screener link to Coda because it was the remote festival that year. Yeah, like yeah. that was that was ages ago. Yeah. But um, I didn't, but I, yeah, didn't... I mean, Tro- Troy Kotzer, I'm, I'm assuming this is the transition that you're speaking of yeah, because yeah. he's such a standout on that. Yeah. And he's a former guest. Yeah. Troy. Uh, and you know, when he was here with his, uh, his translator, Justin Meyer, he, he just, he really had some wonderful things to say about how, how much these nominations mean to him, the history behind it, the, the opportunities he wasn't getting just, just really beautiful stuff. I wanted to do it from my heart. I was following my instinct. And if I stopped acting, there would have been something that really bothered me. I just wanted to keep going. And so my gut would get a little quieter, but of course, a lot of times I was worried because I was getting a bit older. I didn't have a retirement plan. I didn't have an idea of how I would support my family. My wife was beginning to get worried. My family members were worried and they thought that it was really impossible for a deaf actor to get an opportunity in Hollywood. It's just like 1% of actors, even, you know, it's almost like a hair in my beard, you know, it's just this one hair and that represented the opportunities that I was given. 
all of the choices I made, really, I took a lot of risks. And my father used to call me a risk taker. And I really struggled and I would take whatever job I could, no matter whether it was small or large. And so receiving these nominations, I feel like the choices I made and the tough struggle I went through really was worth it. I watched the SAG Awards and I was getting misty eyed watching the 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 clips they would show of of like, you know, the 20 second clips they'd show for each nomination. I was like, all right. I'll watch Coda. And I, I said this to him when he was our guest. I was like, we there was a lot of lot of beautiful movies this year, but this is the only one that like rewired my brain. You know, it made me think about the world in a way that I had never thought about it. I see a lot of people beginning to shift their perspective. So a lot of Codas who I didn't even know who many of them were, and they sent me messages saying, thank you. Thank you, Troy. Finally, I feel seen. Finally, I feel understood as a Coda and made so many of them feel good and embrace their identity. So I'm curious because again, there are so many movies and there are only so many slots. I'm wondering what some of your favorite movies of the year are that slipped through the Oscars radar, so to speak. Some of your your honorable mentions, the movies that that moved you the most or the movies you think that more people, even even you know under the under the radar gems that you think more people should seek out because I, like I said, one of the most wonderful things about award season is it does bring attention to movies that might not otherwise get it. And I think we even have a chance to dig deeper past the Oscars. What are your what are some of your favorite twenty twenty one movies that sort of uh, you wish more people would appreciate or you wish more people could see or would seek out? I really, I don't know if you've heard of it, but I really wish more people saw Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, it little, just... <laughs> it's a little indie project. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what um, Andrew Garfield's uh, nominated for as yeah, uh, Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man number three. <laughs> Spider-Man number three. Um, no, I mean, I, I mentioned it before. The, the first one that comes to mind, as at least as the Academy is concerned, goes a little less sung than it could have been in my book is the mm-hmm. worst person in the world. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there is a, a another world where uh, this film could have gotten traction in mm-hmm. the lead actress category and screenplay, um, e- even picture director. Um, we, we saw it happen with another round last year where kind of mm-hmm. a, a late in the season push for a, at least as far as, American viewers are concerned. Um, a little known filmmaker just makes an incredible movie and he gets into the the best director category. I would mm-hmm. have loved to see that happen for the worst person in the world. But so so that's the first one to come to mind. What what's unsung in your book this year? I if if you want to find me on Twitter and you'll see my pre-nominations tweet that said, I am preparing physically, mentally, and emotionally to see what would happen if Nicolas Cage is not nominated for mm. his performance in Pig. Mm-hmm. He was not nominated for his performance of Pig. <laughs> I'm kind of still dealing with it. I, I am long, check my records, check my check the data. I'm a long-standing Nicolas Cage obsessive. Um, I, mm-hmm. I truly think he's one of he's one of the most interesting actors we have, but he's also just one of the most interesting figures. Um, I, I could, you know, I think there are books written and to be written just about every choice he's ever made, both on and off the screen. Former guest, Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah, when we had him on, he's great. He had some really, really great things to say about just taking those risks and uh, making those deeply experimental choices as an actor. How can you augment your imagination? Hmm. A lot of movies, you know, movies that will inspire you 
and then also read a lot of books and and then that and that stimulates or go to places that make you feel something and that's just always exercising your imagination and work as much as you can i know that's something that's not looked very well upon especially in hollywood oh he, he makes too many movies or he works too much but that's practicing good or bad fall on your face or stand up but get so in tune with your instrument that you know it so well that you know when it's working or when it isn't working not only take big risks but stand up for your dreams your artistic dreams don't chicken out you might you maybe you'll fall on your face maybe you'll get fired try not to get fired you want to keep your career going but it's a good idea to talk to the director first about what you'd like to do with it and then try it. And then if it doesn't work on set, then modify it and yeah. be a collaborative person. You got to work with people. Film is a collaborative process. Another movie that comes to mind, and this is something that, that kind of blew my mind on nomination day was Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, mm-hmm. uh, which received a grand total of zero nominations mm-hmm. uh, in any, in any department, which, you know, it's, it, that happens. <laughs> that happens to some films. That movie, again, this is kind of, I'm kind of beating the same drum, but it surprised me so much because I am very hot and cold on Wes Anderson. Um, I, I prefer his earlier stuff before his his aesthetic fully took over mm-hmm. the, the movie itself. But The French Dispatch is so Wes Anderson-y that it actually worked better for me because it was it was like here is what this here is everything this man has ever wanted to put into a movie and that's you know it, it's it's divided into segments it's every aesthetic he'd, he'd ever want to use it's every trick he want to use it's every performance quirk that his ensemble uses and it, it all came together in a way that was almost the best example of what he can do and it's almost mm-hmm. like oh so this this is what he's been trying to sneak into movies for this long here it is in its purest uncut form. And it really, right. it really worked for me. And I, I think a lot of performance, like Benicio del Toro, Jeffrey Wright, I think there's a lot of performances in that movie that are very sneakily fantastic. Another past guest, uh, French Dispatch star, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, he's, he's so good in French Dispatch. And uh, I think a lot about what he said when he was here on the podcast, uh, just some, you know, fantastic actionable ideas, but also just really inspiring words about the kind of, confidence you have to have to fully embody a character we all have our own lives to live and our mm-hmm. own experiences to have that we you know try to bring uh into the framework of our of our uh characters and our stories um sure but i think you've you've got to have this sense of reliance on your own self and and, and i see a lot of actors uh, you see some, and you, and, and you know it's a journey again. But mm-hmm. you see, and you see just that insecurity, which can play in a certain way. But it, you know, there's a journey toward gaining that sense of purpose, sense of place, and sense of mm-hmm. of, of not certainty because you know I don't want to seem, but a sense of confidence yeah. and comfortability in one's own skin that allows you to explore other skins. My advice is pretty simple: do a play. Okay. You know? Yeah. And I guess, you know, selfishly it worked for me. I did a well, play and one thing led to another after that, but start. But that's how it goes. Start with that. Everybody wants to be known, you know? We all want to be. Sure. Whether it's on YouTube or on Instagram, we all want to be seen, but, you know, and we want to be in films. I think a lot of actors are drawn to 
some of the things on the outside yeah. as opposed to what it, what's at its core. And what at, what's at its core is yeah. knowing what the hell you're doing and doing it, you know, trying to do it well. The best actress, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm starting with the, the hardest category <laughs> and the one most dear to my heart, but um, I think Jessica Chastain is definitely pulled out slightly in as a front runner, if you Mm -hmm. want to categorize a front runner on this category. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Wouldn't you know it, Jessica Chastain, another past guest of the show. Uh, I really love what she had to say when she was here. Uh, You just, you you listen to her philosophies about acting and you just immediately understand why she's Oscar nominated, why she is successful as she is. I like to be provocative uh, in terms of myself and in terms of an audience. I love the idea that of creating something that make people uncomfortable because that means it's moved someone in some kind of way. I don't like to be comfortable. Um, I find that if I'm, com- if I'm really comfortable in what I'm doing, then I'm kind of just skating in some sense. Mm-hmm. So I want to always challenge myself. I, I, I can be quite um, severe and really brutal on myself by putting me in situations that feel uh, emotionally unsafe, I think, because of that. I do stuff sometimes when I'm acting, if I feel like I'm getting in my head, I'll mm-hmm. do something that kind of like embarrasses me. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, yeah. Like if it's um, before action, if I'm starting to get like thinking about what the scene is, I'll like jump up and down or I'll just do something that just changes the energy. I'll go la 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 or like make a loud noise mm. or something that kind of like doesn't allow me to be precious and cool I think that's, you know, for me, cool is the killer of mm. um, artistry and of um, and of being in the moment. So I try to do things that doesn't allow myself that protection. Think you can write two feature screenplays or a TV spec and two original TV pilots in less than nine months? If you're accepted into the UCLA professional program in screenwriting or writing for television, you will. Both programs begin this fall. Learn from renowned UCLA instructors and you'll receive a world-class education in less than a year. An intimate environment with a maximum of 10 students per instructor. Guidance from writing your script through navigating the industry. And a certificate of completion from the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Just Google UCLA Professional Programs. You'll find us. Let's go to Best Actor. Let's see. So this is Javier Bardem, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, and Denzel Washington. I think I'm going to go with Andrew Garfield. Um, not only is he deserving of it, but I grew up as an absolute rent head and, yeah. and, and Loki still am. So I grew up watching the film version with Rosario Dawson, and that came with a two DVD double disc set with a feature length documentary about Jonathan Larson. And it really was uncanny knowing all the footage that they were kind of basing Mm -hmm. this embodiment off of. It just really was uncanny the way that Andrew Garfield pulled it off. Um, I was really blown away by his work. And it helps that I I interviewed him this season for the performance and he happens to be one of the loveliest guys. So um, I'll be rooting for him on Sunday. And not to uh, not to completely uh, expose myself here or date myself, but I watched that movie two days before my 30th birthday, Uh um, which was (laughs) uh, absolutely (laughs) like mind altering for me. 
and it you know it's it's one of those things where a movie comes at, around at the perfect time in your life and it's this wonderful thing about movies where you know they seem to find you when you need them and boy <laughs> boy did i need that movie at that time yeah <laughs> and it, it does help that it has such a strong central performance in him i he is my hope he's my hope for best actor i don't know if i don't know if he has emerged as the front runner but i again it's a stacked category i'd be happy with anyone but him yeah. it, i think he would be the best reaction out of me if he took it home on Sunday. Yeah. And he would probably have the best reaction at the podium. Like <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. he he has been just killing it between Spider-Man and Tick Tick Boom. He's been everywhere and he always gives an interesting, thoughtful interview. Mm-hmm. Very, very cerebral and very smart. Like I just want to see more of him, period. So yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's my top choice for that. Do you want to take over and talk director? It's funny because I think my pick and well i like i like i said west side story is my the one the move that's stuck in my head the most this this season but in terms of just pure directing like like capital d directing is a movie that hilariously we have not mentioned at all but that would be jane campion for power of the dog Mm -hmm. it's one of those movies that sort of worms its way into under your skin and then four weeks later you'll be like oh my god like you'll you'll think about a choice or a moment or and it's it's told so much without exposition it's told so visually it's told so cinematically and i think the choices she made made sure that it didn't after the credits rolled was not the last time i thought about it i'm still thinking about it i'm still kind of marveling at it i'm still kind of just like i i'll just remember a small choice she made randomly in the day and then it's all i can think about for the, for the rest of the day so i do think i do think she is my front runner and my pick for best director for yeah sure. yeah i would definitely agree and like the movie is full of these little moments but i think the the thing that stands out for me in terms of the directorial choices she made was the the banjo piano standoff in the house when you're <laughs> yeah. first getting a taste for the way that mm-hmm. the, this guy phil is tormenting rose and, and and speaking of the actors you gave benedict a shout i know that we were talking ariana debose and troy kotzer as mm-hmm. major standouts in the supporting categories i would not be upset if cody smith mcphee yeah. and kirsten Dunst took it home um i think that both of them are a pair playing mother son um both of them are just giving incredible performances in this one so um yeah it, but again it, it without the right person steering the ship like jane it, it wouldn't be what it is so mm-hmm. it, it, if if it takes home best director and misses out in some of the acting categories i'll still be very happy couldn't possibly be mad in terms of you know the other i'm, I'm just sort of thinking going down the list of best picture nominees and and two movies that that i that i again am stuck on but they're such different movies are belfast and dune dune is a movie a, I did not expect to be nominated for Best Picture just because of the way the Oscars are and the movies they tend to enjoy. And also just because I, it, it's kind of snuck up on me because I saw it in IMAX, like everybody said, and it was an overwhelming experience. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, I think it is objectively the biggest Best Picture nominee this year, just in terms mm-hmm. of its size and its scope. But I almost, it, I didn't really appreciate the smaller details of it until weeks later you know i i took it in as like this gigantic visceral experience and it wasn't two weeks later that i was like wow there was some just like really wonderful performances Mm -hmm. going on in that movie uh rebecca ferguson as always uh is wonderful and everything i actually think rebecca ferguson is still one of the most inspiring guests this podcast has ever had uh you could like 
tattoo what she told us about acting on your body. Uh, just so you can always have that little adrenaline boost to look at. I was told once by someone that great acting comes, I can't do the quote, but something like great acting comes from crazy living. Point being, live, experience, be aware and use it. We get left and we get heartbroken and we, heart, we break other people's hearts. There's so much we do that is a part of growing up. And I think that is a very important stage in our life. But my point is all of that builds up that rugsack of knowledge that you mm. then use when you throw yourself into those castings. Whether it is shame or guilt or fear or whatever it is you feel, you will recognize yeah. it. You will understand. You know, I, my yes. point is live, try. And if you enjoy it, fail and f do it again. Just go for it. And it's a hard job. It's a really, really difficult job. And it takes a lot of time. And you do feel sad a lot and you feel under a microscope. Hmm. And the more you get to know yourself, the more grounded you can be in this world of scrutiny and meanness. There's also love and kindness once mm -hmm. you just don't give a f about what other people think. That's, that's, that's the acting, isn't it? That's the world of creative. There yes. are no boundaries. There are no borders. Timothy Chalamet as, as this sort of new kind of leading man that is unexpected. Jason Momoa showing up and everyone just being uh, so excited to see him, which I feel mm -hmm. like uh, wasn't in the script. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like Jason Momoa just like planted a spaceship on set. People like, yeah, <laughs> not, not much acting going on there. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was just, I, I didn't really, it's, it's funny that I didn't process it as an ensemble movie because it's very clearly an ensemble mm -hmm. movie, but it, it was like the small stuff that really stuck out to me weeks later. Whereas something like Belfast uh, was a movie that I, that's not really, full disclosure, my kind of movie. So I went mm -hmm. into that. I went into it sort of not expecting much. And it the the smallness of that movie is what hit me. I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting such a strong reaction to that movie, but it was it was obviously the specific specificity that mm -hmm. Kenneth Branagh brought to it that it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's you can never say that a movie wasn't made for you because if if it's made with enough with enough specifics, you'll be able to relate to anything. It's that, that, that old Roger Ebert quote, you know, movies are empathy machines. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the thing. I knew very little about the subject matter of Belfast, but it was the, the core of it that kind of, again, it floored me in a way that I was absolutely not expecting. But what I, I loved seeing was how much Katrina Balfe is just the heart and soul of a Best Picture nominee. Uh, when she was on this podcast, she really, she really took us back to the start of her career, had some wonderful advice for her past self and early career actors and it's just one of those things where seeing how far she's come seeing her walk into the oscars as part of a best picture nominee it's it's inspiring i mean i moved to la at 29 to start acting when you know in in a lot of circles people already tell you you're over the hill you know and you're too old and I remember I have this really great friend, uh, he's an agent, and I remember talking to him and he was kind of like, well, you know, it's it's hard out there for women and it's yeah. hard out there for women of your age. <laughs> you know, so it was like, it was definitely a huge gamble. And and I I used to say, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to live in this little bubble of delusion that it's going to work out because yeah. I didn't really have a plan B and and... It had to. So luckily it did. I don't know. 
everything makes you who you are. You know, the bad days, the good days, it sort of brings you to the right point in time eventually, right? <laughs> but I used to take it so personally when I wouldn't get stuff in the beginning. You know, it was like that I wasn't good enough, you know, that that's the reason I didn't get the job, that I, I didn't do a good enough audition. Um, I wasn't good at what I was doing. And I think having now sat on the other side of things and I've watched people audition and I've, it's, you know, nine times out of 10, it's about a sense of who you are. You know, it's not about what you're doing. Like I've seen great actors in the room and they've given great auditions, but they just don't feel like the character. Mm -hmm. And it's as annoying sometimes and as arbitrary as that. And it's really not about you and it's not that you're not good enough. And I, I wish that I had known that earlier so I wouldn't have beaten myself up so much. <laughs> I think there's at least nine out of those 10 movies that I'm, I will, I, I would count as just wonderful, wonderful, good to great movies. Mm -hmm. um, so it is tough. It is tough to narrow it down. I do think something like Dune would be an interesting win. Uh, I do think West Side Story is just the kind of movie that is so Oscar friendly. You know, it's, it's something that, that I think that a lot of people would I, that's something that I could see winning uh, Nightmare Alley a movie. We haven't talked about. Um, I, I know it's not everyone's favorite movie. Uh, I am a ride or die Guillermo del Toro. Well, I think his aesthetic and what he loves is just also what I love. Mm -hmm. So even even in his weaker movies, I'm still drawn in by his imagery just because I, I I feel like I feel like what he likes to do is what I like out of movies. Mm -hmm. um, so just visually, I'm always on board. So Nightmare Alleys was something where it was it's not my favorite of his, but I was just enthralled by it. I was just sort of open mouthed at his at his the way he presents images, especially I think he was made to shoot a carnival movie. Wouldn't be mad about that, but I don't think it will win. Um, but I do think I think that when I really narrowed down that Power of the Dog is the movie this year that that just it is the purest between craft story, the emotional impact of it and the sort of technical impact of it. It just does feel like this is the moment for, for Jane, a Jane Campion movie to win Best Picture, which Sounds fake, but is is the reality we're living in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th I think part of uh, Netflix's campaign. I, I saw some billboards in Los Angeles that say Hollywood is ready for Jane Campion, <laughs> yeah. as if she hasn't been around for the better part of three decades. But yeah, I mean, I think Hollywood is ready for Jane Campion. This would be a big, big night for her. Um, and Power of the Dog is my is my choice for Best Picture. I'm excited for Power of the Dog to win Best Picture and then for everyone to immediately go discover the film in the cut on Netflix mm, mm -hmm. and, and, and live in that the way I've been living in it for so long. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, thank you, Ben. And thank you to everyone. And thank you to the movies for being back and for uh, providing us with a year that I think was, you know, there was highs, there was lows, but I feel like for the first time in a long time, the highs of, of, of movies was, was transcendent. It was, it was, it was a good year and it, it felt like all those marketing campaigns that said movies are back. Uh, it actually felt like they were instead. <laughs> it didn't just feel like, you know, trying to get dragged back in the theaters. It actually felt like we're back in a place where stories are moving us again. We're going back to theaters and we're, we're experiencing movies the way we used to. And I don't yep. think, you know, I don't think, Things will ever be the same, but come Oscar night, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, at the end of the day, we just really like watching movies and whoever wins, you know, 
we we win because movies exist. <laughs>